with the real estate market taking a little bit of a turn, one of the temptations might be to cut back or even cut out your marketing. And my guest today, Shannon Kirkendale, really stressed that's not the thing to be doing and gave a number of good reasons why. And in, in addition, Shannon was able to share some, some very helpful insights because about a year or so ago, she got involved in starting a real estate investing business, but she has 15 plus years of marketing experience. So it was interesting to get her perspective of approaching real estate investing as a new business, but with a marketing hat on, which I think a lot of real estate investors struggle with because they typically haven't got that marketing lens to look at the business. So Shannon had some great insights from that. And she's also an expert in LinkedIn and provided a number of reasons why anybody who's in real estate investing really should be focused, focusing a lot of their time on LinkedIn, because there's so much opportunity to uh, get noticed, stand out and build your business using LinkedIn. So I think you're going to find the, the insights that Shannon provided great uh, and helpful and some actionable tips that you can take straight away and start in implementing into your own uh, real estate investing business. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. My name is Paul Kopkin, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are. Because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. Now, back to the show. Shannon, welcome today. Thank you for joining us from the other side of the country. So, and you were sharing that you're almost on the Canadian border. So uh, we have some connection, a little bit of a connection there. Well, the town that I live in is, is named, is likely named after a town in Canada. So, but I'm definitely much more closer to the Portland side versus the Canadian side. But I am in Washington state, about one mile from Portland, Oregon, and it is a beautiful overcast day. Right. <laughs> so I'm kind of intrigued, Shannon, you sort of offer a variety of marketing services. What are the challenges that you see small businesses and when, when you sit down with somebody for the first time, what are the sort of things that you're seeing small businesses not doing that you, you kind of immediately go, oh, there's an opportunity that you can help them? So big one. Is they're mm -hmm. using a Gmail or a Hotmail or a Yahoo email address as their primary email. Number one, that's one of the biggest no-nos. If you're going to run any kind of business, I don't care how big or small, pick a domain name and get a professional email address. In order to put marketing systems in place, the tools that you're going to use will require a professional email address. And a professional email address is Shannon at linkerin.com. All right. So I've got my business name in there. So that's my first recommendation. It doesn't matter if you don't have a website, just go buy the domain and, and get an email set up. You could use G Suites, which is a really great tool to help organize your business and make sure that your mail, your email is getting to you. But people will not take you seriously if you're just using a, a plain old Gmail they also, it goes into spam much faster. So if you are serious about starting a business, make the small investment. You know, it's going to be maybe $40 a year for the domain and maybe $3 a month for the email. You know, it depends on who you go through. Make that investment. Right. 
And then beyond that, uh, I mean, you mentioned website. Do you find that people can get away without a website in today's world? Or do you think that's almost, again, a, a must-have to have some kind of web presence? Have some kind of web presence. So like for me personally, I used to have the full-blown website. I had several pages. Now I just have one page. And it, you know, it has my, what I call top of fold, which is what you can see before you scroll, mm -hmm. which is some form of like, I want them to know who I am and what I'm about as soon as they hit the website before they start scrolling. So there's that. And then when they scroll down, they'll get my services, my testimonials, and several ways to schedule a call with me. And as far as I'm concerned, that's really all you need. You don't need a, a huge website. You don't even have to spend a ton of money. You could use ClickFunnels. You mm -hmm. could use lead pages. There's another tool called GrooveFunnels, which is a little bit less expensive. And just throw up a page, put all your information. And I know that when it comes to real estate investors, there's a lot of programs that you can sign up for and they include a website with that. Those websites are, are pretty much just real basic templates. So if you really want to stand out, do it yourself or maybe get one of your kids who's got some graphic design chops, get them in there and let them build that for you. You'll do, it just shows that you're more serious in my mind about what you're good doing in the real estate investing market. And you mentioned that people can get a number of ways for people to get in touch with you. So that's the critical thing as well, isn't it? Having some kind of, because I have, you and I have probably seen, you've probably seen it as well, but I've seen pages where you think, okay. And then there's, you can't find anything to get in touch for the next step or even just sign up for a, an email list. So yeah, definitely creating an opt-in and that's where having a professional email is required. So if you're going to create some form of an opt-in where some men, so say I wanted to sell my house and I go to your website, I should be able to have a place to put my name, the address of my home and my contact number so that you receive that email and that you can then follow up with that. Um, or even a button that says, let's schedule a quick chat you know, and then I put my information into a calendar app. Calendly is a great tool for that. In fact, I find it to be one of the best. But if you're using G Suites, has that already built in. And that's what I use that one personally. But yeah, make sure that there is a way for them to contact. If you're not comfortable having your phone number on there or your email, make sure there's a, a contact form. And you mentioned real estate investing. We were talking earlier that was an area that you explored about a year or so ago. What's, because you got a lot of marketing experience prior to that. In five. Right. Whereas I think a lot of real estate investors that get involved, sometimes the first time they're really exposed to marketing is they suddenly realize they need to market as investors. Yes. So, so what were the things that you noticed coming in as somebody with a, already with a marketing hat on that you thought? Oh yeah, that's, that makes a ton of sense. And were there any areas that you kind of came across and you thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. I hadn't really considered that, but you could see why it makes sense for, for real estate. So from the marketing stand piece, when I first got started, I was doing, I, because I was so excited and I really wanted to stand out, I did the snail mail route. Okay. And I bought really nice stock cards, um, nice envelopes. I got some colored pens. And I hand wrote the addresses. I typed up a letter because there was no way I was going to handwrite a letter. So I typed up a letter, made sure I addressed it to the right person, made minor edits to the letter. 
that I could, printed it up, folded it nicely. I mean, I had his happy face sticker. I like, they opened. I know they opened. (laughs) You know, and then I made sure that there was a way to contact me. That was something that was really fun for me to do because I was putting a lot of thought into it. And that made sense to me. And then, you know, it was like the driving for dollars. That didn't make sense to me. Like I, you know, especially at the time just after COVID and the gas prices. So, so I was turned on. I think there's a tool called PIN, which helped me basically pinpoint the areas that I wanted to look in and to basically pull data. So, you know, the owner's name, their address. And all of that information so that I made sure that my list was really targeted. So if I only wanted to just, you know, homes where the person had passed away, if I only wanted to focus on that. And that was something that I learned, too, that uh, probate. When a home is in probate, that actually can take about a year from beginning to end. So I did sign up for some different lists like that. Um, I think the other thing that for me, because it's not something I do for my other business, was the cold calling and the texting marketing pieces. Those were a little bit harder because when people respond, if they don't know you, they can tend to be a little snippy. And I'm being nice when I say that. (laughs) I've been called all kinds of names. So you really have to have a thick skin and be like, unsubscribe move on to the next. Like it literally needs to be that next, next, because you're going to get way more no's than you're going to get yeses. So every no is a next. So those were the, I think the cold email and the texting probably were, and it does make sense. Like you absolutely need to have that for, especially if you want to scale your real estate investor business, Mm -hmm. those two texting and cold calling, you need to have those. So so that made sense. It was just hard for me personally. It was harder to do. Yeah. And you, I, I think, right, not just from a scaling point of view, but even just why not just leverage technology? It's there. So use it. Like the database, as you say. I mean, the databases oh, are I phenomenal. Can imagine, I, can I, imagine, I can imagine years ago people having to go somewhere and look this all up manually at some point. Well, and like real estate agents, I, was surprised that real estate agents weren't using these tools. Like, how are you marketing your real estate agent business? Because it is a business, you know, as investors, I mean, I got turned on to every tool that was possibly out there. But I also, being a marketer, was like, (laughs) there's an easier way. Like, and so I'm going to find it. And then it was just about building the systems. You know, what are the systems that I want to build out? And so... I had email marketing, I had snail mail, I had the texting, and I had I hired a gentleman to do all my cold calls and send me the leads because I wasn't right. going to do the cold call piece. Right. All right. And you can hire a virtual assistant to go and do that. Mm-hmm. I think I paid $300 for a month and the guy called 3,000 leads for me in that month. Right. You know, like to me, that was, I didn't have to hear the no's. He did. And all he did was send me the, they're interested in learning more. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's another great tip. Uh, why not, again, leverage remote leverage or virtual? Yeah. Yes. Totally. So as we're to- at the time that we're talking, the real estate market is in a different state than it was even six months ago, certainly 12 months ago. 
Oh my gosh. Um, the first thing that I see normally in this kind of situation, not just with real estate, but in businesses generally, and you've probably seen it in the years that you've been in marketing, people switch off the marketing tab. You know, the first yeah, thing they do is they cut the marketing budget um, or they, in times of, of recession or potential recession. They, yeah, they do that. They do that even in my business, you mm -hmm. know, like when the pandemic hit, you know, I had two clients that were like, oh, we're scared. We don't want to know. So we're going to shut it all off. And here's the thing. Don't turn off your marketing ever unless you plan on leaving the business. If you are no longer wanting to do that business, mm -hmm. then turn off your marketing, close everything down and move on. But if you're going to keep the business, never, ever turn off your marketing. It's one thing to slow it down. Don't turn it off. I can't tell you how many clients that come to me going, oh, yeah, well, I marketed and we did really great. And then I got all of these clients and I stopped marketing. Why? Like, because now you've got to start all over again and there's a delay. There's a wait time. Like, you've got to build up momentum. So why would you like, why would you start from scratch again? So never, ever pause your marketing. Slow it down. Never pause. <laughs> and, and what would you recommend? What are the things if somebody is on a bit of a tight budget for marketing? What are the kind of go-to strategies and tools that you recommend that you would sit down with somebody and say, okay, these are the things you absolutely you mentioned, the email and probably a one-page website of some sort. But what else are the key ones that you'd say, these are the kind of things you just not do? So social media. Like you need to be on social media. The first thing you need to do is you need to bring awareness to your business. All right. People need to know that they, who you are, what you do. And for most people, it's going to take, it used to take about seven touches. So they needed to see your brand. They needed to see your information. You, they needed to see you posting around seven times before they would take an action. Now it's a lot more because there's a lot more people competing in that space. Um, a social media site that's being underutilized for the real estate investor market, believe it or not, is LinkedIn. LinkedIn, right. like there is a plethora of opportunities on LinkedIn versus Facebook. Facebook, there's a bunch of noise. One of, one of the tactics that I learned when I was marketing my investor business, my real estate investor business, was we joined groups in different locations. So they were like the giveaway groups or buy, sell, trade groups. Mm -hmm. Those groups are so inundated with negative people, it's hard to get past the noise. You're not going to find that on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a very professional-minded, all right? But trust me, even though it's mostly full of professionals, I guarantee you those professionals have homes they need to sell or they've got homes in probate, whatever that looks like, your audience is there. All you need to do is start writing content, pick a schedule, stick to the schedule and write content, write, you know, tell stories about, you know, the people that you've encountered, tell stories about the homes you've encountered. If you're someone who's a fix and flipper, go in and tell the story, share, share the before and after. There's so much opportunity there. And if you are someone who wants to create a course, an investor course, go to LinkedIn to market that course, create events and invite people from LinkedIn to attend those events and then sell your course. There's so much that opportunity on LinkedIn and the tone is just so much better. Not to say that it's going to be perfect because it's not, but 
you're not dealing with a bunch of angry people. Because to me, Facebook, I find people angry on Facebook. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is if you're going to focus on social media, pick one channel. And LinkedIn, I I know that you're a LinkedIn expert, and I I do want to talk more about LinkedIn. Focus on one channel and just get very good at it and post on a regular basis. Get known. Get seen. Exactly. You always start with one get really good at it. Like, don't even try another channel until you see engage, like, con- like continuous engagement and that your post is growing, your, e- that each post you make grows in engagement. Then you've really nailed, all right? Now you've got an, an audience that's paying attention. Then move to your next social media platform, all right? But you got to make sure that you're maintaining your consistency on the, the first platform. But don't, don't do all platforms at the same time. Because each platform has a different algorithm and you don't, you just don't know what's going to hit. And it's always going to be a bit of trial and error and testing and writing content is a great way to do that because you can test out various pieces of content to see what's working. And for LinkedIn, it is very much a, a one-to-one kind of environment, isn't it? It's a personal profile, company pages yeah, are not, are not really worth the investment in time. No- there's not the group atmosphere, although there are groups, there are real estate investor groups, but groups, LinkedIn hasn't really optimized the groups set up the way that Facebook has. Mm-hmm. So what you're really doing is you're building out your personal profile. People do business with people. I do recommend creating a company paid because at some point LinkedIn will do more with company pages. The other thing with LinkedIn is if you really want to hone in on your audience, sign up for Sales Navigator. A little more expensive, but you have the ability to do lead generation through Sales Navigator where you could actually send messages so you can directly DM people. And you can do that through standard LinkedIn, but the likelihood of them shutting you down for spam is much higher on standard, whereas if you're paying for it, they're less likely to bite the hand that feeds them. Right, right. And I was hearing, and I can't remember who it was, but a rumor that if you have a free LinkedIn account, you used to be able to do X number of connection requests per month. And apparently the rumor is they're going to cut that to 10 a month on a free account. On a free, yeah, because- Which would be like useless to most people. Because they're pushing, you know, because LinkedIn's got to make some money. So sure. they're pushing their, and LinkedIn's gone through a bunch of changes. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how many changes they've gone to, gone through just this year mm. with their algorithm. They've had two algorithm updates and changes. So the, and they stopped focusing on the paid feature. So now that they are focusing back on the paid feature again, that makes me happy because I'm someone who pays. But yeah, we used to be able to invite a hundred people a day. And then they took that down to 100 people a week. <laughs> so, but I have tools because I do what I do and I do lead generation for my clients. I use tools that behave like a human, but also kind of bypass. Don't tell LinkedIn some of the rules. Right. Okay. Now, what are the important things when it comes to a profile? What do you recommend that people should focus on when they're maybe re- either I'm assuming they've already got a LinkedIn account, but if they haven't, what should they be doing on a profile? So one of the things they need to to do is think of your LinkedIn profile a couple different ways. So first of all, it's no longer a resume because you're a business owner. So now 
you want your business, you want your personal profile and your business page profile to resemble your website. So it's a, essentially it's an extension. You have an area for a background header. This is a great opportunity to put your logo and then maybe talk, you know, maybe some sort of a slogan or a tagline about you, make it bright, something that stands out. Then you've got your profile picture. In the name and last name function, you're going to put your first and last name. And then in the last name field, you're going to put your title, real estate investor. Real simple. And then there's another area that is another headline area. So maybe ask a question that addresses a pain point. You know, do you have, you know, do you have a home that's losing value and do you want to sell it? Whatever that looks like for you. And then there's an opportunity to create a button and it either sends them to the website or it sends them to book a call so that they can learn more. Those are really important areas. And then the about section. I typically will, if I'm going to add myself to the about section, I put it at the bottom because again, I'm thinking extension of the website. This is my business. My face is still there. And yes, they're still doing business with me, but everything else is, this is what I do. This is who I am. And this is what I do. We want them to know that within the first three seconds of landing on your profile. Because when you do go to invite them to connect, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to go look at your profile that they accept. And they're going to want to see, do you post content? Are you active? When was the last time you were on it? If they see that you didn't post like a year ago, they're not going to connect with you. They're going to like, okay, you're a bot. So you've got you've to put some sweat equity into it. Right. But this and, is stuff that I do for people. Right. I can put in the, I can put in, I can create the content, especially having a, a bit of a background in real estate investing. Trust me, I can come up with a lot of content <laughs> for my clients. So, And how often are you recommending people post from a content perspective? At least twice a week. So okay. you need to, so Tuesday is probably the least active day on LinkedIn, but any other Tuesday and Sundays are your least active days. But I recommend twice a week and be consistent with it. Hmm. Don't skip. There's an opportunity to schedule. There's an opportunity to schedule your posts. So if you're someone who's like, you know what, I'm not going to be able, I know I need to post for tomorrow, but I don't have time get it scheduled, you know, create a week's worth of content or two weeks worth of content and get it scheduled out. One of the tricks to LinkedIn, though, is you do, there's like this 10 minute window. After you post, you should be sticking around LinkedIn for at least 10 minutes and looking around at the other content and leaving replies and engaging with other people's content because it is about reciprocity. Don't be, don't ghost, don't post and ghost. ghost. (laughs) I like that. Okay. So 10 minutes is the minimum, 90 minutes at the max. Like you don't want, there is no need for anybody to spend all day on LinkedIn. And for me, it's, you know, I come in, I check everything, I spend my time and then I move on to my other activities. for the day. And I think you probably heard a collective sigh of relief because I think a lot of people are expecting, oh, I have to post all the time because they're comparing it to other social media channels like, like Instagram, for example, or TikTok. Whereas with LinkedIn, as you say, everybody is not spending all day on it. And therefore, you don't need to be as active all the time. Exactly. Here's the thing with LinkedIn that people don't realize. You know, you've got 7 billion people on a platform and only 6 to 7% are actually posting content. Look at how much room there is for somebody to come in 
mm. and start to stand out. Right. So there's a lot of opportunity that people aren't taking advantage of LinkedIn the way that they should. And, you know, some people are like, oh, well, I'm always people are always promoting themselves or people are always doing this. And it's like, if this isn't if you don't like that, find another platform is the way I see it, because LinkedIn is meant for people who have businesses or people looking for work. The interesting thing was I, I took a look at your profile and went through some of your posts. And there was a thing I noticed about yours that I don't typically see. And I liked it because what it was a lot more personal pictures, not necessarily associated with the post, right? but more about who you are and what you're up to. And I kind of immediately thought, oh, yeah, I know, I feel like I know a little bit more about you. And when we hadn't met before, you know, before that. So I kind of said, oh, you like to travel. I kind of guessed from that. And yes, then I looked, lots, lots of travel <laughs> pictures. Right. My, there's a couple chicken pictures. I've got some pictures from, I was in a bath for Christmas a couple years ago, actually chipping him. I was there for Christmas. My, one of my best friends that I grew up with lives there. And so I've got some really great pictures of going to the Christmas market with different Christmas sunglasses that I was trying on. So those will be my Christmas posts this year because I'm excited to use so, those. So this was a purposeful decision. It is on purpose. So right. it's the picture is what's going to get the attention mm -hmm. to get them to read the article. And what we have tested out is personal profile pictures. And, you know, some people get super professional and they go and pay and have pictures done all the time. You know, I've... I, travel. And so for me, I'd much rather show the candid versus the pose. So not all of them are going to look great. I don't really care. You know, like it's, I just need to have a picture. The other one is what we call a tweet card, which is just, it looks like it was a, a tweet, even though I don't use Twitter or X, but it, we call them tweet cards. It's just like a little quote or a little blurb from the post yep. and then a, a bright color background that helps gets things to stand out. And those are for the days where I'm just like, I don't feel like looking for a picture today. I just, I'm going to do this and it'll stand out. So, but thank you. But yeah, the candid pictures, especially for real estate investors, like they're going to have so many with the homes that they purchase and the ones that they sell, like use those. Don't be afraid to show yourself. And everybody's going to go and look at Shannon's profile and look for the one with the chicken on her shoulder. So <laughs> that'll be the one I recommend people go look for. So. <laughs> It, did, it made me laugh. It made me laugh. So I love it. it. Thank you. It, I'm like, it, I'm glad that it did. It got it. It got the result that you were looking for, which made me stop scrolling and think, what is that chicken on her shoulder? So there we go. <laughs> now everybody's going to definitely go and look. Any other things that you recommend with regards to LinkedIn, Shannon? So there is, if you are going to start posting content, there is a feature called creator mode. And creator mode, once you turn it on, it's going to ask you to create five hashtags. The first hashtag should be a branded hashtag. So if you have a, a name that you're using for your business, use that as the first hashtag. The second two hashtags should be related to real estate investing. And then the other two from there, so that'll be five, should be related to your audience, which might be a little bit harder. That's something we probably need to flesh out. But basically branded and then the other ones need to be about some form of real estate investing. So it could be you could put probate in there. You could put assignment in there, whatever that looks like for you. Right. 
fix and flip. Those are the kind of hashtags you would use. And what creator mode allows you to do once you have it turned on is you are then able to see the analytics of how your post is performing after you've posted it. So you can see the number of people who have viewed it. So those are the impressions. You can see the number of people who have done a search and you came up. You can see the number of people that actually searched for you. And then you also can take a look at the number of new followers that you're gaining. The other quick tip too is do not accept every invitation that gets sent to you. Think of LinkedIn as your CRM. And a CRM is a customer relationship management tool which is basically where all the emails and names of people, it's your contact list, all right? So I view LinkedIn as my CRM. I only accept invitations from people that I know are my target audience, so mostly women. Now, if you came, if you come and find me and you want to connect and you've seen the podcast, please specify that, and then I'll be more likely to accept <laughs> your invitation, if not likely. Right. And... Do you recommend those five hashtags are also used in the posts? Is that the idea of it or? No, no that's not necessarily. The, okay. Yeah. The one thing with LinkedIn is they really didn't come into the hashtag game like Instagram and Facebook or TikTok. So really, you don't even need to put, a, put hashtags at the end of your post. There's not a need. So I wouldn't worry no about it. If, you're, if you really want to use a hashtag, definitely use your branded and maybe two more of, of your other ones that you put in for creator mode. So, but they really don't, they don't add anything to performance wise. Oh, the other thing is don't tag anybody in the post. You will get a lot less impressions if you tag someone. So if you want to tag them in the comment. Right. And, what, and what about the linking to external website. Are you, you're penal, are you still penalized for that? Because You are still penalized if you're linked. So say you, you did a summary on an article that you just wrote. Your best bet would be to create the summary and then within the post itself to say, if you want to read the entire article, the link is in the comments. So the rule on that is, is wait for a couple people to either like the post or to comment on it and then include the link but it's always within the comments. Sometimes, especially when you're just getting started, you may not get engagement right off the bat. So if you're just getting started and you want to include the link, don't worry about the rule of waiting for a couple people. Just write a comment or ask a question and then put the link in the comment. So that kind of underlines your point earlier about the importance of kind of sticking around a little bit afterwards. So if there is engagement, you can react but then also potentially put in the link that you need to in the comments. So, okay. Absolutely. And you definitely want to make sure that you're reacting to your comments that you're getting. I typically will wait anywhere from three to five hours before I actually reply to a comment. And the reason for that is if you start replying to all the comments that are coming in, there might be people who are like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to reply because she's going to reply to me. Because there's some people that just may want to do that. So react and then wait to go reply. Okay, good tips. What final kind of recommendations or insights do you have for people, you know, for real estate investors in particular, but generally about kind of small business marketing and... and... So I recommend if you're just getting started, there's a book called Profit First by Mike McCallowit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. Both, we both Great have minds. it. <laughs> Great minds think alike. It'll be a game changer for you when it comes to setting up the finances and managing the finances of your business. So that would be the biggest thing that I recommend. I waited 15 years before I put it into place. You and me both, Shannon. Exactly, um, I wrote, exactly the same. <laughs> don't do what I did. Get yeah. it before you get started. Avoid the financial roller coaster because it is not fun. Feast or famine is not fun. So yep. that's the big one. And for, and for real estate investors listening, there is a profit first for real estate investors. Oh, I love that. By a guy called David Richter. I can't remember the episode number, but I did have David on, I'm going to say a year and a half ago on the podcast. And he actually, you know, there was endorsed by Mike and... It's exactly the same process, but specifically for real estate investing businesses. So that's fantastic because yeah, there yeah, are, really you're dealing with a lot more money in cash flow as a real estate investor versus what I do. Right. Yeah. Which can, can be very tempting to all the money comes in together and then you lose track and all those yeah. bad things as small business owners. Okay. A couple of questions I like to ask guests before we kind of let people know where they can find out more from you, Shannon. Who is a favorite personal brand and why? Favorite personal brand. I don't really, honestly, don't really have a favorite personal brand. I just, I mean, sorry. It's your dog. Chico. Your dog. That's Chico. Chico is your favorite personal brand. There we go. He's my favorite <laughs> personal brand. He's like, what about me? Yeah, I don't really have a favorite personal brand, unfortunately. And I do help people with branding. Is there any, because you, you're focused on female business entrepreneurs, owners, yeah, entrepreneurs, female founders. Is there any business, female business owner that you kind of look to and you say, wow, that's somebody that knows? You know, there's a gal named Hala Taha and she is, she basically, she's like, when it comes to content strategy on LinkedIn, she's an influencer, but I really love her brand and I love her messaging. It, there's just something about it and the way she is with people and how much she helps them. So right. yeah, Hala okay. Taha would be, would definitely be that person. Okay. So I really appreciate everything she has done and how well she's built her business and the big name brands that actually come to her to get on her podcast. Right. She has a podcast called Young and Profiting. And yeah, she is, when it comes to LinkedIn, she's all over the place. Mm, like she's, she's amazing. Okay. So thank you. Now, and then, then we've got Chico objecting to that saying, you still didn't say me. So, and I, I, I typically ask a favorite business book or podcast, but we've, you've shared Profit First yes. by Mike, Mike McCallowitz. So what about a new tool or resource that you're enjoying using right now? Jas Jasper.ai. Oh my goodness. The amount of things that I have been able to do with that tool has been astounding. The amount of things I've been able to do for my clients, the content I'm able to produce, all of the tools that are built inside of it. Because I know when it comes to AI, people are really worried about plagiarism. All of that is built into it. So I know all of the content I'm creating is 100% original. But it does so much more than that. It gives me the ability to research the other thing is, unlike ChatGPT, it has been fed information that is current. So information from 2023 is in there. They're also really great at making sure that no misinformation gets into their AI function. Like right. these, and I, these guys, 
that owned Jasper were the gentlemen that helped me get involved with LinkedIn as my business oh, um, okay. back in the day. So yeah, Jasper AI, phenomenal tool. So, And it was interesting. I was listening to a podcast just this morning and ChatGPT had a big ChatGPT conference now. So, I mean, there's now yes. conferences for just one AI tool. So uh, you, you can see where we're going. And they announced, but I, I understand now that there are people like Jasper, I think, that are already doing it. But Ch uh, ChatGPT announced that anybody using their upgraded tool is now covered legally, that if they, do, if they produce something and it turns out that it's copyrighted, ChatGPT will cover the legal side of it. And apparently all the AI tools are going down this route because of the fear of plagiarism and everything else, which you kind of highlighted. So yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. It has the tool built into it. I also use a secondary tool called Grammarly. Mm -hmm. That also, so if I want to do a double check, I can do a double check and it will point out the bits and pieces that would fall under the plagiarized. And it'll say 3%, 6%, whatever that looks like. So okay. great tools. And do you have a quote, a, f a favorite quote that either inspires or motivates you? Yes. If you are persistent, if you are, of course, it's not going to come. If you are persistent, you will get there. If you are consistent, you will keep it. Okay. And who said that? Harvey McKay. So I, Harvey, would, I was in dig, dig, dig your well before you're thirsty, isn't it? Is that Harvey McKay? I think his book. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. I was in Morocco, it was Marrakesh, and we were going through a, a startup. Uh, business and on their wall, they had it in great big letters. And so it's actually part of my signature. Okay. Because if there's anything that I can impart on anybody who's doing marketing, and especially the ones that want to give up, you know, because it didn't work the first time, be persistent, and be consistent, pick your schedule, stick to it. Your audience is waiting for you. And if you're consistently putting out content, and you don't one day, they're going to be sad. Like, so. Wonderful. I think that's a great, I think that's a great summary to our conversation. I think you've kind of underlined exactly that, that there's opportunity out there, particularly on LinkedIn. Yes. And if you're persistent with it and you're consistent with it, you're going to get the results. You're going to, you're going to win. With it. So Absolutely. I think that's a great way to finish off. So uh, Shannon, how can people find out more about you? Where's the best place to go? So they can go to LinkedIn and find me at Shannon T. Kirkendall. And Kirkendall is K-U-Y-K-E-N-D-A-L-L. -L. And then they can also visit me on my website, linkherin.com. Okay, wonderful. We'll make sure that is in the show notes as well. And Shannon, thank you for today and, and have yourself a fantastic rest of the day. Thank you, Paul. This was really great. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, was that brantastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. Thank you for listening and have a brantastic day.